You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, mama. Anything's possible. Rainy days, jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we got to make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You could tell them other guys to go and plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays, raining Jays. Millie's Welcome back. This is the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you and welcome. And we hope you enjoyed that 116-95 win over the Brooklyn Nets. Boston now wins three straight games at home. Things back on track as they get ready to take on the Indiana Pacers on Wednesday night. We're the Rainer Jays. John Corrales of MassLive.com. Samuel Jamison Packard the third. Also known as Ladies Love Cool Jam. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to do that second one. <laughs> the second one got me. I, I thought I was going to keep it together. The second one got me. Uh, the Celtics beat the Brooklyn Nets in a boring game. Yeah. Nothing stood out. Nothing was overly exceptional. So like some fun moments. So it's like you know, some fun stretches, but. Nothing in this game was like, oh wow, that was awesome. Or it was just, it was just a a good team beating a not so good team that was really injured. Yeah, it's it's exactly what you want in January. Uh, just beating a good team and beating them solidly. They're like the the Celtics came out and got like established. A, I think it was a twelve point lead in the first quarter. The closest they let it get after that was nine, and then Kyrie said enough of this nonsense. But. Um, it was such a blowout that none of the starters really had to play that much, so no one had a huge game scoring-wise. Uh, but it was kind of classic Brad Stevens basketball where everyone has an equal opportunity to score, um, making the right reads, and what was it, eight different guys in double figures? Eight different guys But no figures. one, Kyrie led the team with 17 points, but that was the most, and so everyone else is between that 10 and 17 range. Yeah. It's just... The, the great thing for the Celtics was the assists. Assists galore. They set a season-high... Uh, with what was it? 30, Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven assists tonight, and it's the fourth night in a row they've had thirty, and the third night in a row, or third game in a row they've had uh, set the season high. And so the offense is clicking. Uh, they got everyone back. I think that was another thing you mentioned. The Nets' health. Uh, the Celtics really are only missing Aaron Baines at this point. So Mook was there, Kyrie was there, uh, and everyone got a chance, and everyone uh, contributed a little bit, but. It didn't create many storylines or uh, much uh, hoorah or hoopla. <laughs> much hoorah. Uh, yeah, that that's basically the story of the game. That the Celtics came out and they they came out and and they established that they were very much the better team. And they had they, they withstood an early uh, aerial attack from Rodion's Kurix doubles agent double zero. <laughs> Who knocked down three threes in the first two minutes, which was just absurd. I think the Nets total hit five uh, threes, and the Celtics just didn't like the that really meant nothing. This, no, the Nets scored a very quick fifteen points, and the Celtics matched them, and then just never looked back. Um, 
but yeah, they and then they were just better for the rest of the game. Yeah, I think the story of the first quarter was the turnovers. The Nets had 11 turnovers that led to 13 Boston points. Overall, the Nets had 25 turnovers that led to 30 Boston points. The, the Celtics outscored the Nets 32-8 in points off of turnovers. So that is going to win you a lot of games when you can put up that number. Again, the Nets the Nets aren't bad. The Nets are currently the seventh seed. They were one of the hottest teams coming into the yeah. uh, this game, winning a, a number of games recently. Brad Stevens was singing their praises, but they literally, like half their good players, almost all of their good players, missed the game. So No Damari Carroll, no Joe Harris, no Alan Crabb, no Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Uh, Lavert's been injured for a while, but... Yep. Basically, that's their entire stars. Only like players who you would uh, say at any great talent is D'Angelo Russell, who was not great tonight, five points, and Spencer Dinwiddie, who's a a fan favorite, uh, but there's not much we can do when he's clear far and away your best player. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Celtics came out. They did what they had to do. They they limited D'Angelo Russell. They forced a lot of turnovers. Actually, in the first quarter. They didn't even force a lot of those turnovers. A lot of them were just because the players that were on the floor for Brooklyn were bad, and they were doing bad things. Like, they were just throwing the ball off teammates off the bench. They were throwing the ball completely away, throwing the ball up ahead to teammates who weren't looking and having it fly directly out of bounds. And they just they didn't look good. And I think that led to a little bit of complacency from the Celtics. They did kind of do the thing that they do. They kind of relaxed. They gave up that lead. They, they they had a by halftime. They should have been up by almost thirty. They had forced a ton of transition opportunities. And I don't think they scored in the final three minutes of the second quarter. Like they really right. were really struggling at that point to score, but they were up by so much that it was, and the Nets really didn't make them pay. And it's not like they were not getting good shots. They were in transition. They were they were getting out on breaks, and I think they just tried to get a little too fancy. I think they thought that they were. I mean, they, can you blame they, them though? That's what you do. No, when of, you're course, up by 12. of course, of course, of course. You try to break out the fancy, right? And it, it it ended up what it ended up doing was it forced them to play. Like even Al Horford, who played 24 minutes, didn't even have to play 24 minutes. But in the end, it all worked out fine. It worked out just fine. But there was a stretch of complacency that the Celtics dealt with. But uh, once they got back on track, it's almost like whenever they uh, decided, okay, fine, we'll, we'll play now, like. The Nets came out of the half and scored seven straight points out of the half. Mad Brad called a timeout, and then I have a note on that. He wasn't mad enough for my liking. It was just a timeout. I it didn't was, think he was that furious. Okay, annoyed, was, uh, annoyed Brad. Yeah, uh, frustrated Brad. Frustrated Brad. But well, then, yeah, I, I spoke earlier when I said they got it down to nine. They got it down to the Nets got it down to six at that point. But then it's Kyrie three, Mook three. You're all you're quickly back up to eleven, um, and then it's just. I don't know. I guess that Mook was a, a the Kyrie shot was a fadeaway too. Actually, I read that wrong. But um, oh no, I'm just reading this box. We're all wrong. They made a <laughs> bunch of shots. Okay, it's it, right. basically Kyrie and Mook who both had nine in that third quarter. They basically said, "Okay, uh, enough is enough. We're not giving away this." You know that Mad Brad discussion reminded me of the uh, Mo talking to Homer about his boxing days. They used to call me Kid Gorgeous, <laughs> then Kid Presentable, then Kid Gruesome, then just Kid Mo. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, once they did that, the Celtics made a bunch of shots. Kyrie became Kyrie again, and 
the rest is uh, history. By so, the end of the third quarter, it was just give Daniel Tice the ball and see what he can do. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was just the Daniel Tice power hour. And he knocked down uh, – he was. They were trying to throw lobs to him. I think he only ended up with. Uh, only ended up with. I oh know he was one of the guys in double figures. Ended up with eleven points. But that just kind of goes to show where they were. The offensive focus was at the end of the third quarter. Yeah. So, uh, at the assists, by the way, totaling up thirty-seven. The leader was Marcus Smart with seven. Kyrie had six. Al Horford had five. The Celtics were back cutting like crazy, and Horford was picking them apart. If if they had wanted to, they could have just done that all night long, and and that's how Al Horford got his five assists. Horford, 12, 12 points, nine rebounds, five assists. Nice night for him. Six of seven shooting, only missed uh, his one three he attempted. Yep, yep. I thought the cool assist numbers was that nine different players had at least two assists, including Semi Ojale in only five minutes. That's like, that pretty just good. just goes to show like, how easy the Celtics were scoring and moving the basketball. Semi comes in for garbage time. And picks up those quick assists, but even in garbage time, it was it was still a crazy dunk factory. Yep. Um, uh, Tice threw Time Lord an alley oop. The first possession, Time Lord was in the game. Marcus Smart just threw an alley oop that was completely <laughs> ill advised. He had no way to like. They kept on trying to alley oop over Jared Allen, who's like a very like. If there's one thing he blocker. can do, yeah, it's meet you at the rim. But that's the Celtics were trying to just get fancy. Gordon chipped in with some a fanciness with an and one. It just seemed like. Um, they were really moving the ball well. Uh, I think it was it was like a the erotic city is has arrived, but it, I don't even think this was actually erotic city because it wasn't fancy enough, like it wasn't exciting enough. But it was approaching the the ball movement was never there. The ball was popping. Sure, sure. I feel like the erotic city is when you're doing it even like against a better team. Yeah, like it needs to be like if they do this against the Pacers, that's erotic city. That's the thing. That's eroticism needs an opponent. Yeah, right? You need some kind of partner in the eroticism. So, all right. The one point I want to make about the passing has to do with Jalen Brown. We're going to do that after the break because Jalen Brown's passing, I think, has been very good recently. So we'll talk about that when we come back on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Everybody's been getting on Jalen Brown for his uh, performance early in the year, and I think some people have still got that early season performance uh, in their heads, and they haven't uh, gotten it gotten past that to understand that he's been playing a lot better. He didn't shoot particularly great tonight. Uh, Sixteen, uh, two of six. Uh, only four points, but he had four assists and uh, five rebounds. And I just think that uh, he played pretty well. I don't think he, this was one of those uh, four-point games that he's had in the past where he got down on himself. But he was still attacking, and he's just he's just missing some shots. But I've I've really been impressed with. His his passing, I think his passing has gotten better. It's not 
uh, it's not Kyrie level passing. It's not Marcus Smart level passing, but he's a wing who drives and draws attention. And when you are a wing who drives and draws attention, one thing you have to be able to do is pass out of those situations where two or three guys are trying to meet you at the rim. And that hasn't been a strength of his. And right now it's becoming a strength of his, not a strength, but it's, it's becoming less of a weakness. When he drives, he, he has the option to pass. And I think Brad mentioned after the game, we don't, we don't focus specifically on passing. We focus on making the right read. Um, and I have in my notes a bunch of times tonight, Jalen attacks, Jalen attacks, and only ends up with uh, four points. But you're right. I thought he made um, just the right read when people were, when the two guys were trying to meet him at the rim. He had a nice spin move to uh, Kyrie Irving, who ended up with a nice like kind of one-handed bank hook shot. I thought that was his best pass in the game. He had that pretty just like uh, high self-aware pass where he uh, kind of just it was like uh, he punched it, but with an open palm for ended up for Terry Rozier dunk. But he's that was con- really nice. He continues to attack, and uh, and I think that's when he's at his best. He he had one shot in the first half where. I think he pulled up a little early. Um, he didn't really knock down those mid-range shots that he's capable of doing. I think he's just much better when he's going to the rim, and sometimes he gets a little too focused on the rim, and he's going up no matter what. And I think we saw tonight his ability to, I'm still going to attack the rim, but if there's someone there, there's going to be cutters, there's going to be an opportunity, and he's just he's just uh, a better playmaker. Uh, just I think that's something he's added to his game this season. It's not something we really... Times when he put it on the floor in the past, anytime he really did dribbling, uh, was not great for Jalen Brown. But now it seems like you want him to kind of take his guy off the dribble and just do what he can with it. And right now, it's not just uh, scoring. He's just, like, helping the team out. And uh, how many assists do you have tonight? Four. Four, which is uh, up there. I mean, Jason Tatum also had four. I think that was one shy of his career high. Yeah. So, um we forget that he's a young guy, that he's was like 21 right now. We forget that he's a third-year player, and his rookie year was up and down. He got benched a lot. Like he, he just Last year was his first season where he was getting regular minutes, and now he's progressing. He came into the season with a certain idea of what he was going to be, and that's not what happened. And... He struggled with his role, and now he's coming out of it. He's he's played the the splits between bad Jalen and good Jalen are pretty much now fifty fifty. You have half a season of half of his performance this season has been not good, and half of his performance this season has been good. And, and it wasn't is, like it was bad Jalen, and like that was the only problem that was wrong with the Celtics. It was bad Celtics. And he was one of the guys who wasn't performing well. Exactly. He was just one, it's not like he was the one guy who was just like dragging the team down. It was like the whole team really hadn't figured out how to mesh together. And he was the guy who kind of had like, the, it was the clearest just to see based on the stats for him. Right. So, uh, I just want to point out that he's doing, he's doing well. I was one of his critics earlier. And you have to be fair. If you're going to criticize the guy for not playing well, then he starts turning it around and he is and he's doing things. Better. Another thing that I thought I've seen him do recently is he's not doing the the one thing I've criticized him for the most is driving in straight lines and jumping into people. I've just seen him take varied paths to the rim, even if it's just like a little euro step, changing his speed a little bit. I just want to acknowledge that I, I have seen him doing that more often, 
and it's keeping a defender off of his toes. He's not just going straight at a guy and jumping into him and hoping to finish over him. So got to give him a shout-out for that. Also got to give Marcus Smart a shout-out because he just keeps shooting uh, extraordinarily well. Uh, he was three of, what was he, four of eight, four of eight from three tonight. Started out three of four. Started out three of four, yeah. So he missed his last three. Or I think he missed his last three. It was whatever it was. He's four of eight. It's just still 50%. And when he shot his first one, he heard people on the Nets bench say, yeah, that's what we want. And so he just kept hitting shots, and he just kept pointing at the Nets bench, which was probably the most exciting thing for the night for him. So that was fun. But Marcus Smart's shooting recently, I think over his last 10 games, has been in the 40% range, which is ridiculous for Marcus Smart. And it's something that he's gotten better at every season. If you look at his past four years, it's something like, 28%, 30%, 32%, 28%, 30%, he's around 35% this year. It's clearly something he's uh, improving upon. He was asked about or he was asked about after the game. Brad was asked about his shooting after the game. It's just he's continued to work at it. Um, I thought Kyrie's comments, he was also asked about it. Someone's clearly writing the story on Marcus Smart's uh, shooting. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tom Westerholm will do that for Mass Live. Actually, I'm going to put that in my 10 things on Mass Live. Oh, there you go. Uh, but it's Kyrie just talking about like in these shooting contests, it's like being around good shooters. So he's in a shooting co- contest with Tatum, Rozier, and Kyrie after every single game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's got to be impactful for him just like getting up that many shots. And he's clearly, he's never lacked in confidence. And so no. um, kudos to him just like, I guess... I'm not enough of a shot doctor to be like his form is drastically better now than it was four years ago. Um, but it does seem, uh, more fluid and bef- like now when Marcus Smart takes an open three, you're, there's no, 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 yes. It's more just like, yes, you should be taking that shot. Right. You have confidence that he's going to knock down the open one. I think, yeah, I think we've grown into that level of, I mean, I remember saying that I laughed out loud whenever Marcus Smart would hit a three. And now that's gone away. Like now it's not a funny thing when he actually makes one. He's, he's hitting them at a pretty reasonable clip and still not great, but I think his early season numbers have dragged down. Not terrible. Like that's all he has to be. And that's really it. He brings so much. He's, he's up to the, the game is there are Celtics are up 20 points and Marcus Smart's diving on the floor for a steal. Like he gives you everything else. If he can just be average from his position and do everything else that he does, that makes his value so much higher than the Celtics. Yep. Yeah, that's so. Uh, just got to give him the shout out. Uh, those those shooting contests are fun. I get to see those after practices. It's the one thing we do get to see, and they are they are intense. Those guys really, really like. They're a bunch of competitive guys. They they want to beat each other as much as they want to beat other teams together. And one other acknowledgement in this segment here is Gordon Hayward, who continues to take these positive steps and now he's stringing these positive steps together multiple games where you can see Gordon Hayward is is doing the things that indicate that he's coming back from that injury besides the numbers another uh, let's see 12 point game for him with a couple of assists four rebounds the, what I saw at Hayward was a guy who was aggressive on the floor. So beyond the numbers, I don't even care about the numbers, especially in a win like this. But I saw Gordon Hayward get the ball, drive, like 
bring the ball up, hit like his top speed, and then stop quickly. So, because a guy was setting up to take the charge and hit a guy in the corner. I think they missed, but the play was good. And slowly, he's starting to add more of these elements to his game. He'll probably have games where his body isn't right again. So I don't want to sit there and say this is going to be the expectation from now on. But at the same time, this is another sign that Gordon Hayward is making the progress that we've been waiting for him to make. I think it is interesting to hear Nets coach Kenny Atkinson before he talk about he could be uh, like Manu Ginobili coming off the bench as an all-star type talent. And I think that was... Um, I mean, clearly it didn't, wasn't sustained for the entire game. I think he only ended up with uh, 12 points. But he scored those first eight points in, like, his first stint off the bench in the first quarter. And it really is, like, that's what allowed the Celtics to kind of extend the lead to 12 and finish out that quarter. And to have a guy be able to come in and just, like, be kind of be that aggressive and dominate the off, uh, offense like that is, like, that's exactly what we've been kind of hoping for. That's the role that you want for uh, Gordon Hayward. And, I mean... Again, caveat, Nets didn't really have anyone, but a lot of the times we've seen Kyrie come off the floor for the Celtics and the Celtics really struggle to score the basketball. I think there's obviously going to be a dip in uh, their scoring when Kyrie's not on the floor because Kyrie's insane. But if it doesn't, if they don't have like a negative net rating when that happens, if they just drop down to like the average, like Marcus Smart, if they're not hurting the team, um, that's going to be lead to a lot of success. And a lot of that depends on uh, how far Gordon Hayward can take them. And so, it's just his third straight game in a row. Uh, we saw him have that one great game against the Timberwolves earlier in the season, um, but it's not really stringing ones together. But this is, um, I would say, two great games in a row where he scores a, a, a lot, but this is just another solid performance, which is just a good sign for Gordon Hayward moving forward. Right, exactly. So positive things all around. We'll take another break here when we come back. It's your tweets. And our junk. <laughs> Stick around for our junk on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Every game we ask you to tweet us with the hashtag Rain and Jays for your basketball questions, comments, and Rain and Junk for the goofy ones. The general riffraff that surrounds the great game of basketball. <laughs> so let's start with the Rain and Jays with, uh, let's just kind of continue our conversation from the last segment. Uh, at B. Patrick Quinn, Marcus Smart went from three-point joke to legit threat. We don't talk about that enough. So he tweeted that before he knew that we talked about it enough. Well, you guys, we'll give a pause. Everyone listening, you can talk amongst yourselves about yep. it. Let's go. <clears throat> He's doing better. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, Marcus Smart, doing great. Uh, at Beard Jam, the universe sure is cruel to the Nets tonight, missing all the guys while the Celtics finally get all theirs back. And now they have to watch themselves get thrashed by those picks they traded us. There was that one guy in the crowd tonight wearing a shirt that said, thank you, Nets, and it was Jalen, Jason, and then Kyrie. It's a little bit of a stretch to include Kyrie in there, but it uh, everything's better in trilogies. So, uh, of course, of course. Uh, and then uh, not a ton of Rain and Jays questions. See, what's happening is people are throwing in the hashtag Rain and Jays and Rain and Junk. So Leaving they, us to try and decipher if it's junk or not. Right. And 
it's just it gets confused. They really want to be on the podcast. So, but uh, let's see. Uh, back to beer jam. Make or miss. Kuruks is nothing but net tonight. I, I don't even know how to say this. Guy's I didn't name. know he existed until they announced him in the starting lineup, and then he went hit five threes. Rodion's Kuruks, and he hit was five of his first five. That sounds like the name of a dragon from Game of Thrones. I, I'll take your word for it. That probably Rodion's. <laughs> Let us hither north. It is very. It's a very mythological name. Hey, so, I chill out, looked at his stats. He's averaging eight points a game this season for the Nets. So. But this is the second time he scored 24. That's his Ooh, career high. Shouts to Rodions. Yeah. Big, big performance from him. That was kind of annoying that he was uh, doing what he did. Let's see. Back to uh, at Lenny Bias. Plot twist. Marcus Smart shoots better than 37% from three for the rest of his career and breaks Ray Allen's three-pointers in a season mark at some point because he's evolved from heat check Marcus to heat chuck Marcus. So he put the rain and junk hashtag on there, but and actually put, dead serious. But actually serious. serious. I don't know if he's, I mean, maybe. I don't <laughs> think he's going to shoot better than 38%, but I don't that's think just he's my break old PTSD. Any, was it? any shooting records, but uh, if he, he might break all-time three-point records just based on the era he's playing in. Uh, and Taking 10 a game just yeah. because. Uh, and last, Rain and Jays from... At Chicken the Geek, much like offensive rebound, offensive rebounding, Kyrie is. I'm sorry. Let me start that over again. Much like offensive rebounding, Kyrie is 2018, 2019. Kyrie, as referred to by by Jai King, uh, hustling Kyrie is also another aspect of that. I, I don't. I still don't know what I just he leads said. The, uh, Kyrie leads the uh, the team in charges. Is That's the, exactly the point of the tweet. She quote tweeted Chris Forsberg, and it says that. Kyrie Irving does lead the league, the the team in charges by what? Well, he's tied with Marcus Smart for one. So, uh, yeah, he's out there doing all of these things. He's he's grabbing those offensive rebounds. He's he's hustling for loose balls. He's getting these charges. Kyrie is playing. He's having his best regular season of his career. Here's uh, my where I'm going to take it. He does not get nearly enough uh, MVP talk. I listen to a lot of NBA chatter and on NBA Twitter and NBA podcasts, and no one really mentions Kyrie, but he's having his most efficient year. His numbers, I've mentioned them earlier, but the off-on numbers, clearly he is the most valuable player for the Celtics. Yeah. No more can I argue that it's Al Horford as much as I love him. It's clearly Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's mostly just because of expectations and the Celtics' underperforming expectations, so there's no one uh, on the Celtics that's even in consideration, but... It's a long year. I think about two weeks ago, no one would have put James Harden in the MVP race, and now the Rockets have come storming back, and so is James Harden MVP consideration. I think if the Celtics finish in the top one or two in the East, which I think they're clearly potential, have the potential for, because if you look at the standings right now, um, the game's back column is not the most accurate thing. You need to look at the loss column, because for some reason the Raptors have played six more games than the Celtics, or something like that. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But they're only five games back at the Raptors, and I think Three games back of the Bucks in terms of the loss column, and I think they have the head-to-head against the Bucks. The Celtics definitely have the uh, chance to do that, and I think Kyrie um, definitely should get some MVP consideration. Um, so he's doing all that stuff on offense, but then he's doing these hustle things, and I thought the coolest thing about that charge was it came when the Celtics were up 13 in the third quarter. Yeah, like you don't you don't need to make that play necessarily, but he he was prides himself on beating himself to the spot, uh, and there he was and. 
Yeah, he, he was very also very proud that he uh, leads the league or leads the team when asked about it after the game. So nine charges this year. And then he also has another three steals tonight. I think he I think it's his best year in terms of steals as well. He's doing everything for the Celtics, and I think he should be in the MVP conversation more. And I have no bias when I say that. I look, I agree, man. I think that they he has a case. It's it's probably mostly a function of the Celtics being disappointing. Uh, in regards to their early season expectations, they're 24 and 15. Uh, if they had just won a few more games earlier in the season and were 27 and 12, they would be right there. Uh, they'd be above the Pacers. They'd be third. So, and it's funny looking at these standings. The Bucks are in first in the East, yet they're also a, a half game behind the Raptors. Because of all those extra games that they've played, the Raptors have won two more games and lost one, one more game. So that works out to be a half game ahead of Milwaukee. But Milwaukee at 28 and 11 has a better win percentage. So they're technically by win percentage number one, but they are still by virtue of playing fewer games, a half game behind the Raptors. So if you look at the loss column, the Celtics are only four games back of the first place Bucks, three games back of the Raptors, two games back of the Pacers, and one game back of the 76ers. So once these things all even out, the Celtics go on a win streak, and they have a lot of games at home this month uh, where they're seeming to play well. I think you could see them at the top, and you you might see the narrative, which is pretty key for MVP voting um, change for the Celtics. We'll see what happens, yeah, by the All-Star break. You go into the All-Star break with Kyrie as the Celtics All-Star, Kyrie gets the votes that he's been getting, and and that continues. He could be the captain. So now you have the captain of the All Star team selecting his All Star team, and now that that propels him in people's minds. That now all the people who write and cover and blog and podcast they say, "Look at Kyrie. He's the leading vote getter or the second leading vote getter, and his team now is number one or number two or whatever it is." And then you start breaking down the numbers and you see that he's in every one of the Celtics' top eight or nine five-man lineups. Then you start to say, oh, wow, look at this guy. He's actually been really awesome. So, yeah, I would not be surprised if Kyrie gets into the conversation. Right now, it's it's not going to get him above Harden or uh, even, like, yeah, it, even like Paul George, like there's a lot of more buzz about those guys, but he's going to be in that conversation and at least I think finish the year as one of the top five uh, MVP I think he's guys. First team All NBA guard at this point. Um, Harden and him. I don't know if Curry will get enough. I don't know. This Curry's, is a classic. Yeah, they've been struggling with his role over there. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's certainly certainly. I'll have to take a closer look, but I, I can see that happening. I can definitely see that happening. Okay, junk drawer or rain and junk. All right, this is also from Cheek and the Geek. Uh, Jalen Brown's shorts are ultra short because they cannot contain the power of his thigh muscles. That's quote <laughs> tweeting, uh, Dirty Uncle Smart. I saw Jalen up close tonight. I thought it was Josh Gordon because of the thigh muscles were that alive. It did look like Jalen's shorts were a little bit shorter tonight, and I can get behind that. Another Jalen sartorial decision uh, today in the locker room, he or after the game, he just put on a sweater with just like holes in it. It's just like a holy sweater that looked like some moms yeah. attacked it. It was just like, man, I wish I was that cool to wear a terrible sweater like that and pull it <laughs> off. If I walked in with that, people would be like, people would roast you, and as you okay? they should. But it was you like, okay? all right, cool, you're wearing a, a holy sweater. 
This one from Celtics Tucuman, Argentina. Of course it is Papa Archaeologist. Uh, yeah, there's a segment tonight with Al Horfer who said growing up in third grade, he wanted to be an archaeologist. And eventually his NBA father told him, no, you're going to be an NBA basketball player. But it's uh, it's always nice to see the side personalities. Sure. Um, this one is from Maddie B 814 in all caps, Jay Crowder style. And the Time Lord said, you've got to rise. <laughs> um, verbal meme. Uh, this is just, a, it looks like Back to the Future, but it says, Back in the Lord uh, 3, and just him dunking some fire. Uh, a lot of Time Lord stuff tonight. Uh, Time Lord gets in, gets a dunk, and people go nuts. Oh, yeah. The place, the, the building just exploded. Like That was fun. This is from Andrew RG Fine. Pretty sure Yabu just tried to enter the game with his warm-up clothes on. He absolutely did he that. Did. Uh, Al, they should have just let him do it. Uh, but Al Horford was nice enough to take it off. This one's from Trav Lewis. Shout out to the bloke during the timeout who knocked down the three ball on the buzzer and shouted, put me in, coach. That was a fun moment. That was uh, good. Anytime. I'm all for more basketball competitions during the during the timeouts, and this guy knocked down a buzzer beater three to win, like, I don't know. A trip to Aruba. Trip to Aruba. So um, that's fantastic. More, a lot more rain and junk. This is from, I can't read it, but I'm going to say Luke 14. Why is Scal trying to make the is work? It just doesn't work with a nice mean girls. Uh, I don't know what that is. I haven't. He's getting caught up in the name game. You know what? Yeah. I, so this is the best part. Pre-game, he was like in the media room talking to the Nets announcers. And they were talking about the season and everything like that. And he was talking about Time Lord. And he just kept on referring to him as Time Lord and just kept on saying Time Lord this, Time Lord that. When we show things of Time Lord, like these are his blocks. And then during the game, Time Lord gets the dunk and I and Eagle calls him the Time Lord. Yeah. And that's, you can see the direct scowl basically implanted in I and Eagle's brain. And now I and Eagle is using Riffsman, uh, phrases. So shout out to Scal for, uh, frequent use of the Time Lord. I can't criticize him for the is, but I'm just going to say we get a comment nearly every game about him trying to make the is happen for Tice. Um, and it's just not, it's not like there it. for me. I don't like I it. prefer I saying Tice it. is pleasant, um, or just other words that are not nice. Uh, but that's, that's me. Uh, you guys know I, I like the, the weird stuff. Uh, moving on to my own rainy junk drawer in it. There's a bunch. Um, Marcus Smart, cool haircut. You got this, went to yes. the same place Gerald Green went to get his braids, had a nice little clover in his hair. Um, story about that on MassLive.com. Aaron Baines is a badass. He spoke before the game, uh, talked about how he broke his hand and then had another, like, four minutes of basketball. And he's like, oh, unfortunately for me, someone called the timeout, and that was the end of my run. But he basically got, like, three more rebounds after breaking his hand. And it was that just. That was so funny. It's just, he's, he's a, he should talk more. He's a, he's a gem. He needs to address the crowd more, uh, more pregame availabilities. But, uh, it's just fun to talk to, uh, talk to an Aussie. Yep. He's great. Um, today in dinner, I just talked to the guy whose job it is to operate the shot clock, and he's been doing it since 1986, and that's all he does. He just resets the shot clock. He goes, that's like the best job in the world. Wow. And he says, like, there's no replacement. You you have that job until you die. Of course you do, because who, who would give up that job? I. And he just sits there and... There's two guys. He does, like, the... They switch off. Sometimes he does the shot clock. Sometimes he does, like, the scoreboard. Huh. They switch. That sounds fantastic. Wow. Is that his only job? Uh, I think he does it for games, like for college games, and he does it like 
around all different basketball so games. He's a professional shot clocker. Shot clock. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a degree in shot clockery, or uh, I, I mean, this guy does. He's been doing it since 1986. That's wild. Um. So I made a tweet about uh, the Kyrie taking a charge being good breakfast, and then the Locked On NBA Network retweeted it, and I just thought, man, the people out there are going to think I'm an idiot. <laughs> good breakfast doesn't mean anything. It's something that Jay King made up with his friends in high school, and it's... we know that's not cool. <laughs> um, we found out that Jay King today, is his favorite film is Happy Gilmore, but he thought It's Always Sunny in the Philadelphia was over the top. Which is the classic enigma of Jake King. I love it. I love that so much. How do you... I, I, I can't. I can't even wrap my head around that. Nothing makes sense. He, his rules don't apply from just different aspects of his life. We had a conversation the other night where he was making the case for one... I can't even remember. I lose track with him. But that's pretty funny. Um, this is the crazy stat that Adam Himmelsbach tweeted out. In the third quarter, the Nets shot 70% from the field. The Nets were 12 of 17 and scored 29 points, and they still trailed the Celtics. Uh, at no point did they make a dent in that lead, um, because the Celtics scored 30 points in that quarter. But to shoot 70% in a quarter and still lose the quarter is insane. Um, so I thought that was, wow. that's more of a Ray and Jay stat, but I, I had it in my notes and I hadn't mentioned it yet. Um, at some point during the night, talking about Tice, the Riffs man tweeted, 69 left balloons. And I said, <laughs> oh my God. That's brilliant. It's the easiest joke out there, but it's fantastic. I can't believe we hadn't done it. So shouts to the Riff man for continued greatness. He was wearing his Time Lord jersey that people uh, go funded me. That was cool. For him to get. So shouts to the people for uh, doing that and Ben Rohrbach for organizing it. Um, there is a, I have my notes. This is a direct quote. The bad man on the Jumbotron had spikes coming from his shoes, like if an Ed Hardy t shirt was put into shoe form. <laughs> I didn't even see that. <laughs> it's just the, the Jumbotron, in a loss like this, or uh, not a loss, in a win like this, uh, you start focusing on the Jumbotron more. I was going to say there's better dancing on the Jumbotron when it's up 20. Um, and then we got Gino. And you know what? I was actually, I was back in on Gino tonight because I saw Kyrie. Tapping his foot, doing a yeah, little dance. A little... You know, my thing is like, Gino's the cooler to me when the players are in on Gino. Right. And so if you can get the players, like it was always awesome to see how excited it made Kevin Garnett. Oh my God. So if you can get the players in on Gino, um, then I think I can be back in on Gino. And then uh, finally, uh, just Mook at the end of his press, or starting his press conference is like, y'all going to ask me about the Eagles? Yeah. We're talking about the Eagles. <laughs> Freaking Mook with the with the Eagles. He's one of the biggest Eagles fans I know. Man, it's unbelievable. I need to ask Mook about it, what he thinks that. of my Philly accent. <laughs> he will punch you right. In the I face. imagine the people who have Philly accents and the people who Mook grew up with are did not really intersect. Probably, probably not. Uh, is that it? Uh, that is all the junk I have. Yes. All right, then that's all the podcasts we have. So we hope you have enjoyed it enough. If you're a new listener, to subscribe. We hope you regular subscribers have left us a five-star rating and a good review, and we hope that you enjoy us enough to share the podcast, tell your friends to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.